teammate you haven't heard from us in a while but welcome back to the french log podcast where we talk about product management and product design if you didn't remember i'm your host jordan and i'm your host michael hello jordan hello mike it's it's been a while since we've been on the podcast and it hasn't it <laughs> heck yeah um it look based on our website it looks like we released episode 19 in july of 2021 so this was a long time ago it's a long time coming <laughs> yeah for sure um i guess since uh we we've caught up officially and under the banner of front log what have you been doing for the last uh eight months no nine months yeah close to nine months so yeah i've been chucking away at a new job recently as i was looking for a junior product design position and i'm finally landed in one now so i've been there since july 2021 at this new company and it's been good congratulations thank you it's it's been a good learning opportunity and a lot of new challenges coming from doing government work to kind of big enterprise and now i'm at a smaller company which is nice because you get to have a lot more say and a lot more impact on the final product, which is something I was definitely looking for in a new job. For sure. I think one of the biggest things that like people say about working at uh, smaller companies is the impact. You're, you're a big cog in smaller machines, so you, you definitely have a lot more control, a lot more influence on exactly. what that final product looks like. Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's good that my manager is challenging me, so... I'm doing a lot of good projects and a lot of work that are pushing my UX skills, which are skills I do want to develop. <laughs> gotcha. Cool. How, how, how was the onboarding? Onboarding was good. Um, because it's a smaller company, it was nice to meet a lot of the people involved in the company. And then, yeah, because yeah, I found like definitely at a bigger company, it's like you do meet people, but there's just so many people you don't know who to go to. But now it's very clear on who you need to go to and who to talk to, which is refreshing. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm glad you start. You're able to start a new job and get onboarded. You know, mm-hmm. been in school long enough. Now you are ready for um, the real work environment with your first yes. full-time job. Yeah. Yes. But what have you been up to, Mike? I'm pretty sure people are interested in what you've been up to. Oh, I'm I'm very boring. Uh, aside from working a lot and not taking vacation until i think november um i've been doing a bit of camping a nice. bit of biking i picked up a little bit of entry uh kickboxing so getting my face punched in you know every week <laughs> on saturday so that was very fun yeah <laughs> you're like i don't know how to reply to that <laughs> i i don't know if i feel i feel kind of bad <laughs> Uh, it's definitely like an experience right like one of the things um like you experience a lot of different things like be- being punched in the face or getting the wind knocked out of you and um you know part of good product management is really experiencing like different things and you pull that into your work so exactly. um definitely le- learned a lot uh, <laughs> in that aspect nice are you gonna slowly start going back on strava now that the weather's getting nicer uh, for sure, for sure. So uh, 
if you didn't know, I signed up for a full marathon uh, sometime at the beginning of May. So I have less than two months to really get my body back in shape, you know, run those, uh, be able to run um, 42.2 kilometers in yeah. under, I'm hoping under five hours, sub five. Um, okay. A lot of friends signed up. So it's definitely not a race. You know, you're here to, you know, challenge yourself. However, it's going to be a race between friends. Like, yes. you know how people say like, oh, this is a friendly thing, right? Oh, it's, mm-hmm. it's about challenging yourself. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> we're, 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 out for, we're out for gold here. And you won't be spilling any coffee this time? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, the other day I spilled like a whole like glass of coffee in my, my backpack and I was really upset. Oh, no. Now my backpack smells like coffee, which is unfortunate. That yeah. is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, speaking about uh, onboarding and starting new jobs, did you develop any imposter syndrome? Um, oh, yeah. I think definitely after being on the job market for so long and, you know, with so many candidates you have to compete with for jobs, there definitely is that sense of imposter syndrome wherever you go. It's like you have to prove yourself as a junior you know someone's taking a chance on you and you don't want to mess it up so definitely a lot of that whole imposter syndrome definitely does happen it happened to me for sure even though like you experienced it when you've like just got the job i've actually been experiencing it quite a bit even though like um more than a year into my job mm. and that's just because i think one thing is like just make just not knowing if even um, the work I do is this considered product management, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, yeah, for sure. Like, what if I'm doing it wrong? Like, am I really a product manager? So having an uh, imposter syndrome more, I guess, less imposter syndrome and more like existential crisis. Like, mm-hmm. is, is this, am I really a product manager? How can I say this, right? Um, I've been kind of like grasping um, that uh, for the past few months oh yeah I, I i definitely feel that and even like to this day it's like whenever i present it's always this balance of oh is this going to be good enough or it's like am i presenting this right and is this design actually gonna help people at the end of the day it's that whole kind of your mind playing tricks on you i find sometimes that it's hard to get over i find you feel that way kind of yeah, for sure. It's like, um, are we really doing the best thing forwards, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and for sure, it, it really helps. It, it, not to help, but it it paralyzes some decision-making sometimes. And mm-hmm. one thing that I found was um, going back to, you know, um, trying out that ADP list that you recommended mm-hmm. and meet some product managers and really understand, like, what does their process look like? What does my process look like? Mm-hmm. What are the differences? What are the similarities for me to be like, am I really doing this properly? Because mm-hmm. um, one thing I found was ADP list was, it's a very easy way to like reach out to people and say, hey, let's chat mm-hmm. versus, you know, spending the time to craft like a LinkedIn connect letter. Like, hey, I want to learn more about what you do. Do you have the time? Because um, everyone's really busy and it's hard to find someone that has the time right but adp list everyone's available so definitely took advantage of that and it was amazing nice yeah 
it's it's nice that there are communities now like ADP list and even in the design community we have something called design buddies and it's just one good thing about in a sense the pandemic is that it's brought these communities closer so and I always kind of liked how the UX and product design and product management community does like to help out each other for sure I feel like I'm I'm, I'm part of like the edge case users where because because ADP list it's meant for designers right mm-hmm. um but just just f- being able to find like the few product managers on there mm-hmm was like really awesome um yeah although i do want to say that i just i didn't just talk to product managers i did talk to some product designers as well just to be like yo how do i be a better product manager right Mm -hmm. um just from like another perspective so then i could improve myself not just on i guess a product manager perspective but um the adjacent departments as well Mm -hmm yeah like it's definitely a lot different like once you're doing product management and even product design in a real company because i find that with what we learn in school at the end of the day it is in a sense low stakes because it's not being implemented but then when you're actually in an organization and you're doing product management and product design for a company that's actually implementing your work it's that whole level of pressure i would say to make sure that it gets done right because especially you don't want your products redesigned to have to go through multiple iterations years after again and again because something wasn't hitting the mark yeah for sure uh i think one of the things that like the, the worst course in business is called business communications mm-hmm. you essentially learn how to write in a business context right and yeah. one of like the final things you do is you write like a like a report on like a given topic mm-hmm. and then um you you paper bound it, right? Mm-hmm. That course was meant to serve as like how to develop OCD in a semester, basically. <laughs> like making sure, you know, all the margins were correct, all the page numbers were correct, headers, you know, there weren't weird typos or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think that course could have improved on and what school doesn't teach you in general is that you either do it once or you do it right. Mm-hmm. Or wait, no, you either do it right or do it again, right? Exactly. So as long as you can hit the mark, like, in, in a few iterations mm-hmm. that is going to be so much better than constantly redoing work mm-hmm. and the fact that school doesn't teach that is like a big miss mm-hmm. totally and especially i find that with design as well because a lot of the design work that i do now it's not only outputting the final design you need to understand how does how does the design scope like how do you sprint plan the design and a lot of those things you just don't learn in school and even like some of the methodologies of UX I learned in school, those don't apply. And I have to learn new kind of UX methodologies for framing, for example. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Give me one. Give me one methodology because um, I'm curious <laughs> as a person that, you know, ran through Sprint in like two days. I'm curious what other design methodologies are out there. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the methodology, at least I learned in school, was the how might we methodology. But in a sense, the how how might we just is very idealist at the end of the day. And I do think that a lot of the times when you're designing for a product, it's not about what's ideal. It's about the different paths that people will take, for example, like the different scenarios that people could take to kind of reach that, in a sense, ideal outcome. But you're not designing just for one outcome. You have to design for multiple outcomes. And that's one thing that I was that i've learned throughout my job is how to really design for that 
Gotcha. I was actually interpreting kind of like your what you were mentioning as like there's like the idealistic way to do things, and then there's like the realistic. Like you have to um, consider, you know, technical architecture discussions. You gotta consider uh, business feasibility, right? Can we pay for this? Um, and then for me, being in a fin- financially regulated environment, it's like, yo, what we putting out there could result in a ton of fines. So, mm-hmm. are you willing to put your name on that? So, things like that. Yeah, and that's totally true. Like that's also something we don't learn in school. We don't learn about the cost of design and the cost of development. So, I think that's something that we need to be mindful of of designers and product managers, especially in companies that want to scale. Yeah, for sure. And I think it really boils down to like, can't believe my my tech strategy course was uh, useful, but um, it really boils down to what are the trade offs you're making, right? Like exactly. Um, mm-hmm. For for me, it's like you make it user friendly, you open us up to a ton of fraud, mm-hmm. or you make it holy crap, super hard to use, you know, archaic, ancient, mm-hmm. prehistoric, and then there's like zero fraud. But will you have any customers, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, and the joke I always do is like, oh, uh, if you want to be risk free on a g- digital channel, just don't be on a digital channel. But hey, I'm just here. <laughs> I'm just following orders, my guy. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, def- definitely. I've leveraged, uh, like, tried to, um, I guess, cut down on the imposter ship syndrome by reaching out to people mm-hmm. and trying to spin those relationships into mentorships. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and mentorships are so rewarding. I'm I'm really lucky that I've been helping to mentor somebody over the past few months and just helping people grow on their journey because I've definitely been there. I've been a struggling UX designer trying to find their junior job and it's just really nice to kind of give back to the community and help out other people get their jobs and learn more about UX. Very nice. Um, can we expect a Medium or a LinkedIn post about my experience finding my first job and what I needed to do to succeed? Yeah, that's definitely coming down the pipeline. I've, one of my goals this year is to write more, so I do want to kind of do a lot of Medium article, more Medium articles, or at least start writing Medium articles if I can this year. Do you think Medium is dying and it's being overtaken by LinkedIn and or Substack? Kinda. Would you want to can still continue Medium? Well, potentially. Like I don't know where I'd want to write yet, whether it be on Medium or LinkedIn or even on my own personal website. I'm I'm doing some things to my website right now, and I might incorporate a blog into it. So that might be Ooh. my area to do it at. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. But what have you learned from mentorships? Definitely, because you talked about kind of going through that imposter syndrome and talking about your kind of product management process. What other things have you learned, like from mentors over the past few months through like ADP list? Yeah, for sure. Just understanding process, right? What does a company, a scaling company, do to pump those numbers up? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of seeing what opportunities lie. Um, where in my work that I could like take their experience and really just apply it. So one of the biggest things was like, oh, um, just segment your customers by device. And like, I'm just dumb, right? I never thought about that, but um, it was super useful just understanding that um, device-wise, 
completely different um, paths um, to hitting like the success of your experience. So just even like these are like, I guess one thing is for me, I think it's easy to really understand strategy just because mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a business background. Um, but for the tactics, right? It tactics, the playbooks, that sort of thing is what I'm super not familiar, familiar with. And mm-hmm. just learning about like success stories about, you know, we looked at X, we looked at Y, we saw these changes, we, we fixed them. Now numbers going up, like things like that. I, you, you never really learn. And I guess for me, um, I'm, I'm like a fake analytics student. So for me, <laughs> it's for, I don't really have an analytics mindset, even though, um, I, I do, I do a lot of work in it. So just helping getting the ball rolling, talking to people, how they saw success in the growth space was super useful. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think like definitely having a data background is really important, especially when you want to understand kind of your users at the end of the day. Cause I think that, yeah, especially like when you wanted to kind of get things on the roadmap, you both need, you need that quantitative background and qualitative background for the data in order to really sell and advocate for, Hey, this is an actual problem and being able to kind of scope and plan out those sprints in a necessary yeah, way. For sure. And the other thing is, I guess seeing where people can cut corners is also super, I guess, um, helpful because mm-hmm. for me, um, I did come from like a super textbook, like data analytics background. So it's like, everything must be statistically significant right Mm -hmm. and then just talking to like a product manager and he's like no what are you talking about like up is up um like it's good enough to for it to be like higher than like up is up Mm -hmm. um it doesn't need to be always statistically significant especially when i am working with like smaller figures so Mm -hmm. that was super helpful as well I'm just curious, but how did um, this mentee find you? And where can potential prospects go to bother Jordan about um, these design chats? Mm -hmm. So this actually just came through a mutual connection that we both had. So I know somebody who was wanting to do some mentorship, but they were out of time. They didn't have enough time. So I kind of took that on from them. And then, yeah, so it was basically just word of mouth in order to how that connection worked. And then, yeah, I've been mentoring them for about close to four months, five months, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. it's been. What a, was yeah. your biggest takeaway from mentorship? Mm-hmm. What is the biggest thing you learned and how did you apply it to your job, your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think a lot about mentorship is learning to listen because you need to kind of understand from their perspective where they're coming from. Because like as as a mentor, I have my own learned perspectives, but it's important to kind yeah. of see where other people are coming from and, and in a sense, not all the time giving them the answers, but guiding them to the answers. Because I think that's important gotcha. for them to learn as well. So it's like, I want to guide them to the right place, but not always necessarily tell them the answer. I want to give them the tools to help them yeah definitely um the socratic method is definitely a (laughs) most uh important tool to have right uh socrates you know um the og philosopher was always like all about asking questions and letting people kind of answer the questions themselves Mm because in a way his philosophy really um 
was on the idea that people knew the answers Mm -hmm. they just you know needed the questions and Mm -hmm. that's pretty useful totally um did you find that you needed to be ready to listen in a way like kind of like you were expecting an answer and then they say like a completely different answer and you're like i'm not i like you feel like you're not listening well enough i feel like that's the thing i I do and it's like horrible yeah totally kind of i definitely got that feeling in the beginning but it's it's just interesting to just listen at the end of the day because you because people have different perspectives right and yeah sometimes i learn things from mentors from from mentees even like i can I, I can get like different recommendations and kind of when we chat, kind of learn about different things and new techniques as well. So like, oh, I'm not familiar with that. It's kind of then I can go in and learn about that and kind of apply anything that I know to help them. So for sure, just just learning, I guess, how the how might we system is flawed and adopting <laughs> something new, I guess. Yeah, exactly. very scandalous. As a product manager, I really like the how might we technique just because mm-hmm. it helps you like, get your gears thinking on problems over solutions so mm-hmm. how dare you <laughs> no and i think how might we still works at the end of the day definitely but there are different ways you can approach how might we for example there's been some new ways that i learned but more on that later <laughs> i guess yeah for sure um looks like we're out of topics for today uh thank you for you know coming back to listen if you're an uh, existing um long time listener uh and uh we'll see you in the next episode hopefully yes. soon enough uh we might do some interviews and you know things i promised in season two but yes. um <laughs> that's all for season three episode one uh i'm your host michael and i'm your host jordan and here's to season three and big plans are coming so catch you all in the next yeah. pod <laughs> Yeah, stay safe.